Hi, and welcome to the SIF podcast, where we discuss advice and solutions for the modern therapist whilst trying to help the public find the right treatment and advice for themselves. And this is a special episode. It's a recording of a Facebook Live that I did with Andy Hosgood and Gemma Oliver in the COVID-19 group. It all talks about how therapists are having to go paperless at the moment in response to COVID with payments and templates, some simple solutions that are there, both on a free and a paid level and the options that are available. Equally, we talk about customer engagement and particularly around the ethics of how do we contact them? How do we sell to them? How do we understand our customers all in an ethical way, which is certainly something that Andy has a real strong point about. So we hope you enjoy it. As always, please leave the five-star review and let us know your feedback. Um, thanks for joining us hopefully uh, you are here we are doing a uh, lovely webinar facebook live uh, with malcolm sloan and andy Hodgegood. Um, so we're going to uh, just go through a few things i think just wanted to do something a bit different um, there's lots of chat about different stuff at the moment very clinically based um, and lots of people working quite hard on policies and guidance and things which is all super important but i think sometimes it's easy to forget that actually the journey of your patient you know building your practice and building the business and especially all the new challenges that you're taking on is just as important and i think tonight you might get some insights in to some of the themes that we that keep cropping up in the group so these two lovely gentlemen have agreed to give up some of their time uh, to discuss this. I think you'll find it very useful. We're going to talk about, you know, switching from sort of paper to electronic. We're going to talk about the patient journey and what your, you know, your business sort of looks like. How easy things to think about when you're trying to grow and, and challenge yourself in this environment. And basically just try and give you some more confidence in restarting and, and getting back to normal okay so I've got one bit of very important housekeeping before we start you've got two Liverpool fans on this chat which would appreciate some score updates for the first half so if there's anybody on the chat group can we just have some scores please and I'll let uh, our speaker know that'd be great okay so I'm gonna uh, we'll start off with uh, Malcolm who is a uh, one of the partners and uh, directors of Sports Injury Fix um, he's heavily involved with the group and has been chatting and giving some great support so Mark's just going to set the scene, I think, and just give us an idea of uh, your business and, and what this sort of current climate looks like in this this time. So, hi, hi, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hi, hi again, Gemma, and yeah, hi to everybody. So, for those that, that don't know me, yeah, Malcolm Sloan. Um, so, Sports Injury Fix. If you're not aware, it's a platform for therapists. Uh, so, we basically empower therapists. We make their lives simpler so they can succeed. We do that through simple software solutions through CPD uh, and creating a multidisciplinary community uh, so they can learn from across the professions and outside of the various silos that it's easy to end up in. Um, so we're in a, a position that we've, we've been banging the drum for electronic solutions and automation in a simple manner to help people um, for the last couple of years. It's something that when Sports Injury Fix first started out, it started life just as a uh, as a listing website and actually we had a raft of industry association chairman ask us to build software because there was just nothing on the market um, that dealt with the therapist problems from people that really understood it from a therapist perspective and you may be familiar with my business partner Mike James aka the endurance physio 
So actually between us and then a third director is an amazing techie, a guy called James Edgeworth, that actually there was real demand of, well, you understand the industry. So can you help provide these solutions for us? Um, which is, yeah, proven to be, uh, to be pretty successful, um, which has been really nice. Uh, the only way we've achieved that is through working with associations and working with therapists. So you know, Jack Chu, for example, is one of our ambassadors and also a, a business partner on the therapist learning, CPD learning platform side. Um, and there's a, a raft of others that are out there as well. So we're at a stage that we've, the current, with the current climate, we've been inundated, obviously, talking to all of our therapists who all have had to shut down in various ways, shapes or forms for various lengths of time. Some have reopened, some are thinking about it, some particularly more hands-on, then they're still waiting for the good news to be able to, to do that. So actually that's given us a real breadth of perspective across thousands of different therapists. Um, and it's some of those key themes that we wanted to um, help have a bit of a discussion about tonight. It's something that Gemma and Andy and I have all talked about before. We've seen a lot of people talk about PPE and what's the physical surroundings in my clinic and how do I work all of that and the policies and procedures that we've said but actually it feels like now people are really at that next level down of thinking right okay well what's the patient journey what how do I obtain consent oh well I've always dealt with cash well I can't use cash now so what are the payment side how does that work is this a temporary thing is this a, a, a permanent thing I'm a bit of a technophobe so how do I how do I do it how do I keep it simple etc you know, then that next stage as well of, well, have I been communicating with my patients or have I just been telling them what I'm doing? For those that haven't opened yet, there's that fear that they've been losing patients to others that, that have opened perhaps sooner. All sorts of debates around that. We know there's been some really good debates previously around that, so we won't touch on that, whether we should or shouldn't. But actually that side as to, well, how do I, how do I market and talk to my existing customers, clients, patients, whatever term you want to use. I know Andy likes a uh, customer and I'm, I am inclined to agree as well um, <laughs> for various reasons. But equally then, you know, some of them will have moved away. Some of them will be shielding and won't be able to come. So actually it's then that, okay, well, what are the options of, of potentially attracting some new ones? And particularly now doing it at a time that's really ethical um, because doing things the right way, doing things that add value, doing things ethically at the moment will really stand you in good stead. And that's certainly something that Andy in particular has done a lot of work on. I think it's interesting because I think, you know, that I, I listened to both of your sort of stream and, and both of these guys are speaking at the incredible epic event that is Therapy Live. So we're going to try and not steal too much of their presentation. But I think when I started to listen to Andy talk about ethical selling, I sort of you know, it was like a bit of a light bulb moment. I think as a therapist, we don't ever see ourselves as business people, you know, and, and I don't think, you know, it's never something that I've been comfortable with about even making money. But I think essentially at the moment, you know, we are, and I think you're selling, it's therapeutic selling, you know, you have to engage the patient, you have to provide a service, you know, for the benefit of the patient and thinking about, you know, their overall well-being. But at the end of the day, if you're setting up in private practice, you you have, a, you know, that is your livelihood, that is your passion and that's your business and you need to sell. And, and I think it's a very different way than you would assume as, as, as a normal hard sales pitch. And, you know, Andy's got some, in, in, worked incredibly hard to develop this and help many, many therapists. And I think some of the things that we'll go on to talk about 
I think you'll find very useful. And it's something that we don't automatically think about as, as therapists. So, Mark, we discussed a little bit about uh, people moving from paper to electronics and we've had some amazing posts. And I think they're all being really, really honest. And I think it's important that um, just, you know, if you're used to working with paper all of the time and then suddenly either you've thought, OK, I can't do this anymore and I need to change it or actually, right, I'm just going to use this as a time to be able to do that. I think some people have sort of fallen into it quite well and some people have really struggled. So what, what are your comments on and around if you're making this transition and, you know, does it have to be technical or can it be quite straightforward? Yeah, it can be as complex or as simple as you as you make it, to be honest, and as you want it to be. There's a lot of pressure to go electronic at the moment. And actually, yes, there are a raft of benefits for it. The one approach that we always take at Sports Injury Fix, and it always surprises people, is actually we always take a very individualistic approach. And actually, for some people, it will not be right for them to go electronic. And let's be honest, if you want to stay doing things paper, it will make things harder, it will be slower, but it is still possible to do things that way. Um, so it's if you feel like it's giving you sleepless nights and you just absolutely hate technology completely, then there are still some options that are there. Um, that's the challenge with a lot of this time is you see a lot of stuff in the groups that's well-intentioned and really helpful, but it adds pressure to people. And then people, there's so much to worry about at the moment now that it makes people anxious and worried. And then when you're like that, then that's when you start making poor decisions that are there. Um, so what I'd say with that is there is a, a raft of software that's out there that can help you. And no software will be perfect for everybody. It's impossible. Anybody that says they, they are great for everybody is a, is a liar, basically. Um, so it's about feeling comfortable. What this time is really highlighted and shown is actually with, um, with software, there is a raft of basic free things that are out there. There's a raft of things that perhaps are you know, designed for the hairdressing industry that we know some therapists use, et cetera. But actually it's really shining a light that if you are gonna make that jump to using software, use software with a, a company that actually specializes and understands the industry that's there. Because then what you'll find is rather than trying to shoehorn it into your processes and it's, it's all a bit tricky and yes, it might save you a few pence every month and it literally will be a matter of a few pence or a few pounds, it's, it's not much at all. Um, but actually it will be a far harder journey for yourself and it'd be a far harder patient journey for your customers as well, particularly when they have a nice seamless journey elsewhere. Mm. So the first thing would be, you know the names that are out there, look at the names that are there and consider what is right for you. And then it's that thing of, well, particularly if you are unfamiliar with things and want to make that jump, then it's about, well, what are the options out there for me? Um, and how can I actually talk to somebody to have my hand held through that process? Typically, if you're going through that, I think it's always good to talk about some names because again, at Sports and You Fix, you know, Sports and You Fix, people can have for less than a tenner. They can have everything which they need. Um, and so needless to say, we're bringing on a raft of people at the moment and it's proven really popular. And we talk to people through the whole process. We hold their hands. We transfer all the notes. We make it as easy as possible. We have a raft of technophobes there. It helps because we've got our own technophobe, Mike James. Um, so anytime we're doing anything. <laughs> Who's my we... tech man, by the way. So don't call him a technophobe. <laughs> He's my tech man. So 
he's, he's learning he's learning um uh and he doesn't mind me saying this because uh yeah we joke about it a fair bit but it's it's you know we, we do joke but on a serious note it's brilliant because actually we go well here is somebody that's very representative of the industry you know he's worked in private practice he's worked in the nhs he's worked in the military he's worked as you know sports rehabilitation worked as physio so actually he's got that such a brilliant breadth of perspective and actually when you put him down in something and you don't explain to him and go can you use it does it make sense then that's really powerful because if he can well then we know okay right we're pitching this at the at the right sort of level and but I think yeah, that's so. what's that's definitely what's come across for me from a sports injury fix point of view. And, you know, we've all worked quite closely now and I got introduced to Mike about a, a year ago. And I think for me, it's very simple. I'm very like Mike. I've got, as we found tonight, I know the basics and I can learn it. But if something goes wrong, I have. And also I've got zero interest in, in being able to do it. You know, when I can link in with people like yourself and, you know, Jack and other people that spend time doing this, I would rather do that. And I think sometimes as a physio you forget that I think I've grown up as a physio in sport thinking right I need to do this I need to be able to do everything and I think sometimes you need to remember to link into others and I think that's what we've seen on the group that it's great that people can share but actually what is your expertise if you don't have that and if you're not into that don't try and force yourself to learn all this stuff let's try and maybe invest a little bit and get some help which is where you know people like yourself are good because you get that hand-holding you know system all the way through it's the same reason I have a personal trainer because I've got zero interest in training myself and I'm really lazy but actually if someone's there it, I think it's a massive difference but it's got to be right for you like you said uh, Mark. Yeah. I always find it interesting that with therapists when treating you generally speaking have three options you either treat the person in front of you or you realize I'm not fully sure here right I need to do a bit of learning and invest a bit of time and then I can do it myself or you go, right, well, I could achieve that, but it would take so much time and effort to do it. There's a far more efficient way of doing it. So therefore, I'll pass that on, refer that on, whatever that may be. And it, it works the same with business. And we often, you know, we really see that clinicians tend to want to treat. That's why you're, that's why you're in business. So actually try and make it as easy as possible to allow you to treat. And there's so many solutions that are out there that, you know, you're literally talking about a few pounds a month. Um, it's really not much. Yes, you can pay for some really fancy, automated, all singing, all dancing, huge complexity solutions. But actually, to be honest, even them, when you actually work out the time that it saves you, actually, it is pretty good value that's there. And you've got that whole range of things, um, you know, because in the market, you've got, you know, TM3, TM2 is one of the ones and names that's, that's well known, and particularly for people that have worked in the NHS tends to be targeted at big business and bigger business. Um, you know, it's a much maligned piece of software, but actually they're, they're based in Ireland and they do generally have good support. So yes, you will be paying a lot more for it. Um, but if you want to talk to somebody and have your hand held, for example, and you know, sports injury fix isn't the right solution for you, then TM3 actually is, is not a bad solution at all. Um, You've got other things where perhaps if you're a bit more confident, something like Clinico, Clinico, generally speaking, has more people say they like it than not, which is always a good sign and it's recommended. They are an Australian company, so tend to find that actually the support will be more about you send them an email and a few days later you hear something back. So if you're a bit of a technophobe or you're new to it or you want to have your hand held through that process, um, then you know maybe they're not the right company for you. Um, 
what I would say when you're thinking about it is again, with going with some of the more reptile ones is companies should be, they should be easy to join, but equally they should be easy to leave as well. And a good one will be that because you never know what the situation is, whether you know people are retiring or they're sick or sadly, they just have to, you know, pause for, for whatever period of time. So you should always make it that it's easy to leave. And at the moment, one of those key things is about extracting notes and equally, let's be honest, having notes that are secure. So with GDPR, you need to be confident that your notes are held securely, enterprise level encryption, um, held in the cloud, hot backups. So you'd never be more than a day old if anything happened. There's always those backups there. So you've got that safety and that assurance that's there. But likewise, yeah. then if you did want to, to leave and transfer, that actually you're able to do that. So actually that's why it quite surprises people when people talk to us and probably 90% of the time, I'd say, then Sports Injury Fix is the right answer for them and they convert, particularly being less than a tenner. You know, it's so affordable, has everything that people want. Um, but actually the other time, often it will be, okay, well, people's minds work in slightly different ways. If you don't like us, we've talked about the two options, well, Clinico or TM3. Clinico, actually, if people leave Clinico, they're really helpful. They give all the notes in a nice machine readable format and it's there. There's another provider that's known for electronic notes. Um, and I'll be good and I won't say the name, but if anyone wants to message me privately, I will tell, I will tell you. Um, there's the business, yeah. business <laughs> yeah, but they give all the notes in PDF format. So rather than the notes being usable and searchable, they deliberately act like make an arse to make it I difficult think it's to leave. Like that people might don't realise that when they go in. They only realise that when they want yeah. to leave. And at that point, they want to leave. So they don't like them anyway. And then they really don't like them. And then they start slagging <laughs> them off. So you just think it just doesn't make sense. I think it's good as well for me. I think if I was going into this and I was setting up my business, I would want to invest in a smaller group and a smaller company because I think, you know, sometimes it's nice and they all look very fancy, don't they? But they're so huge that actually do they have the time to be able to do that? And this is just my opinion, um, but I would much rather sort of pay and look at, the, you know, for someone to pick up the phone or text and go, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think sometimes as physios, we don't think that we can do that. And that's why maybe we're sort of doing this is just to talk about it a bit more to say, look, it doesn't have to be hard. It can be quite easy. If you want to make this transition into doing things a bit more electronically, then that's good. I think I've got some good friends that um, set up a Rehab Guru uh, in very similar sort of um, you know theme and different started off as some exercise software. And they've now developed over the years and they're very similar to, to yourself at SIF where they are on hand, they're on a webinar, they can do Zoom chats. And, you know, again, I would much rather pay into something like that where I've got, I can know I can pick up the phone or be on an email or, or a WhatsApp, you know, and get that support. And there is so many, there's so many options, isn't there, like you said. So, Andy, can I just ask you, um, you obviously deal with lots of therapists and you have been a therapist for many years yourself. What yep. sort of things do you think people commonly find are really difficult? What sort of things do you constantly get asked about making this sort of transition from you know changing the software or promoting your business what what do you think well i have to i have to be honest i've, I've sat on my hands when malcolm was talking because what makes me laugh is that, that everyone who does transition to software actually hasn't they go oh i've got this really really fancy software but i, I can probably say on one hand how many businesses i've gone into and actually know how to run a report <laughs> so it, yeah. it, you know you, you turn around and say well do you understand you know your average journey length or do you understand how much profit you make per customer and the things that you have to do to know a business because fundamentally like we open with you know unfortunately 
staff won't pay you. You know, people want that you have to pay your rent and stuff. So we do have to make money. Um, and a lot of people don't know how to do those kind of things, the, the, the basic stuff. And I think, you know, so actually having all the this all singing or dancing software, like Malcolm said, sometimes isn't always the most appropriate for the business because it they actually just get lost in it and they're actually really unproductive with it. And they don't know where to look for data and how to start. And that's so I think, you know, I would hope that most people are starting to use direct, you know, electric dining management stuff. I think the electronic notes is definitely something that's. I think more people will be looking to, I think what Malcolm alluded to, especially in the, in the current situation, you know, the, 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 the fact that we can automate things a bit better and especially we can send forms out before it, it avoids all that kind of stuff. And more, it actually makes it a better process for a customer. You know, for me, you know, going back to what, you know, therapists and, you know, like you say, I've been physio nearly 20 years and you know transition to the consultancy side five years ago and one of the things that i think most therapists are very good at is learning how to treat shoulders better and that's where all the focus is oh i need to if i just get a bit better at treating that or if i could get a bit better that or there's a new tendon let's do that and they forget actually that you know they haven't got a clue how to market they haven't got a clue what a, a, a kpi or a key performance indicator is they don't know how well the business is performing so I think there's, you know, but also the fact that when a customer comes into a, a private physio business, it's all about the whole experience. It's not just about what happens when we, we get in the treatment room and close the door. You know, it is about from start to finish. And I think one of the things is with, you know, if you use software well, then people, I think, very familiar with it, you know, especially things like online booking. You know, you can't book a restaurant by me you can't ring them up and say, can I have a, have a table? You have to go through the online thing. I think it's becoming such a normal process, obviously when the restaurants open up, that is. Um, <laughs> but, but so I think, you know, for me, what we actually found is, especially when we integrated things like online booking and stuff, people really enjoy it because, you know, I don't know what your experiences are, but one of the most common things we ask is when, I, when we first work, how many customers ring on a Sunday night? Because it's the yeah. end of the day, they think, oh, I really could do with an appointment this week. So the ringing Sunday night. Well, most people aren't set up to deal with that. So on Monday morning, it's either if you're if you're a smaller clinic, it's you <laughs> either ringing everybody eight o'clock in the Monday morning trying to book everybody in, or if you've got an admin team, the first two hours is them just doing that. Whereas actually on a Sunday night, if they're using technology well, they're all booking in online. And Monday yeah. morning when you come in, you've just got twenty new customers. So. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think the thing is, you know, and I think one of the, you know, if we can talk about the positives of this, of this scenario, and one of the things that I, I said this straight away when it all happened was, you know, one of the good things will everyone will have to do is stop, analyze their business and think of all the touch points a customer has to go through and how do we make each point better and more efficient. And I think that's, you know, what's, what's Malcolm's done a brilliant job and talked really, really well about is that efficiency for, for a business and that how a customer comes through. And, you know, let's be totally honest, if, if you're more efficient or you have a, create a better service than somebody down the road, then again, people, where are people going to go? So I think it's a really nice, you know, a nice thing to have. And it, it adds to the experience, doesn't it? 
I think so. And I think there's a lot of chat at the moment and it's a very difficult situation where obviously the guidance is uh, in, interpreted in very, very different ways. We've had lots of discussion about this and, you know, I, I can understand the frustration if you're trying to do something that you feel is one way and you see someone down the road who's throwing the doors open and, and you know, you don't know the scenario, but I can understand that frustration. But I think from my point of view, following on from what you've just said is if you focus on your processes now and, you know, you get that stuff right, spend some time, I really do think that that, that patient pathway and that journey will be much better and you will see the footfall come back because it will come back on you and I'm, I'm, I very much sort of think that and I think if you spend just a little bit more time at the start as many people have just getting this right and thinking about it differently and focusing on your own stuff the patients will start to come back in and I think this is why this is so important for me to do because I think we're forgetting that and I think there's so much policy and procedure and governance and things that people are terrified of opening for which is totally understandable but actually let's get the basics right think about your processes think about your patients and the caseload and the journey and they will come back in and then you can implement all of these things as well and um, we've had a question from the fabulous Paula Clayton um, you've recently added some online consultation forms why did you decide to do that and this has been talked about in the group so if you could uh, Mal just tell us what you think about that why would that be beneficial yeah uh, again even before COVID, automating some of the processes is really helpful. Most therapists are, you ask them if they want to do certain things, then they'll always say that they're, they're really busy. The to-do list is always way too long. And actually, and I'm, I know Andy's quite hot on this as well. When you ask them, what's the first thing you do when a patient walks into your clinic? It's like, well, I hand them a form and then I sit there for 10 minutes watching them fill in a form. <laughs> How many patients do you have a day? Uh, probably six or well, there's you there's an hour a day you know have a have an online consultation form have it automated that it goes out to them beforehand have them complete it and then send it back to you or it's it's automated and again we always are big about how you can do it for free you can do that for free just in a basic word doc that you email out to them and they email that back to you um, from a SIF side we've always had it automated so it's part of the system and actually, we've just taken that to another another level where you can create, amend, do everything that you want with it, send it all back. And then it's all saved and it's all nice and searchable within your patient notes section as well. And we're starting to get associations that are then wanting to add in templates within the platform as well. Um, lots of advice and guidance to help people with it. So it really means whatever your situation, whether you want to be in complete control or, or not, there are those um, options there for you. But effectively, yeah, whether you use software or not, it's it's just a, a no-brainer. And particularly now, then with with COVID, uh, COVID nineteen, then um, actually it keeps them out of the clinic for that extra 10, 15 minutes. And we know that that contact time is so valuable and important that actually anything that you can get them to do prior to arriving is brilliant. So when you look at it from a safety perspective, tick. When you look at it from your time efficiency perspective big tick then equally what sort of impact does it make if somebody arrives in your clinic and all you know is their name or if somebody arrives in your clinic you've already had the chance to read about them you already understand what the injury is you all understand a bit about the context you've had a chance to do a bit of pre-research if it's something that you haven't seen in a while or you're not that hot on so that customer journey and that customer experience 
actually is going to be far greater as well. So you look at that and go, well, that's something that's really simple to do. I can do it for free or really low cost. What are the downsides? Yeah. And I think you're right. And you said it doesn't even have to be, you can go into a lot of detail, can't you? And make it really complicated, but you can start very simply by just having your consent form online. And I think for me, if that, again, if that was what I was going to start with, I would say, oh no, I don't really know how to start. There's so much information. So I just won't bother. Right. Well, let's just start with the online consent form and practice and go from there. And I think you'll find then it will evolve and say, right, well, if I've done a consent form, maybe there's other things I can do. Maybe I can send my information out. And I think it's, yeah, it will, it will change yeah. a lot. Any a really thoughts on that? Point, sorry, I think a really important point to um, to bear in mind with all of this is people worry and think, well, it's, it's so much of a jump and a leap. Um, either starting from nothing and going to something, but it doesn't stop you running things concurrently. So it doesn't stop you testing it. All the decent software at least will have, you know, 30-day money-back guarantee, we'll give you some free trial, whatever it may be. So you can trial it, you can get the feedback from your patients and if it doesn't work for you and it doesn't work for them, it's fine. It's in the same way of, if you're using a really expensive software and you might want to try out a, you know, a more affordable one that's there, or you're using a hairdressing software and you want to try out more of a therapy one, there's nothing to stop you. And we actually encourage people. You can run them alongside each other very simply, try them out, mm. try before you buy, feel comfortable, see what works with your mindset. You know, in the same way as you give someone an Android phone and an iPhone some people will go, ah, oh, like I'm totally one and I just don't get the other. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not right for you. But you only know that when you start playing around and having a go. You don't want to have it when you've just signed up to a two year contract with a new phone. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just keeping it simple, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Andy, I really don't want to talk about your lovely presentation because I'm looking forward to listening to it myself on Friday. But we your uh, lovely topic of ethical selling, I think is amazing. And as I said, I listened to it a couple of weeks ago when we did the intro stream. Do you want to just sort of pose the question that we talked about and, you know, be interested maybe just to get people that are listening to this to think about it a bit more? What, what would you say? Okay, so thank you. Um, so it's a curiosity thing, and my my presentation um, that I'm doing is actually is is a thought provoking one, and it's the whole idea of the the half an hour. I'm, I'm hoping for some decent Q and A afterwards because <laughs> is a little bit thought provoking, a bit challenging, and on the sense of and all around the question is what is the product of therapy? Because I think. You know, and it was really interesting. So I'll put, like you said, you said I could share this link afterwards. And I'm, you yeah. know, the nicest with the link, it's all anonymous. So I actually don't know who said anything. So literally, when if you fill in the details, I don't know who you are. I don't have your email address or anything. So all I know is what you've responded. And so far of all the, the, the responders, it's really, really interesting, all I'm going to say, in the sense <laughs> of how people envision what they actually sell is, you know, and what it is. Is it a sports massage? Is it doing a trigger point? Is it, you know, you know, and then you've got some, oh, we change lives and stuff. So I think it's a really interesting thing because I don't think enough people actually stop and think that, you know, you know, if you've, if you've been in the practice for a long time, you've been a good physio, you're going to be a therapist and you've then set your own business up. You just do what you've always done. You've never actually yeah. stopped to think, well, what do we do? 100%. And I think, and I think one of the, following on from what Malcolm was saying, you know, the end of the day, if there's going to talk about sales, then there's got to be talking about people buying stuff, 
right? <laughs> and people only buy stuff if you if you trust them and like them fundamentally. Okay. Now, I believe what what we're talking about with Malcolm saying that you know, if you're almost building rapport by going hi. I just want to be time efficient. I'm going to send you the form beforehand. You might not want to be sitting there around for 10 minutes filling this in. All those kind of things, you know, and how many people, let's be totally honest, we've all done it where you've given somebody a form and they've gone, oh, forgot my glasses. And then you're going, oh, brilliant. Okay. Or, you know, especially now you're going to have to disinfect pens and stuff. I think the whole scenario is, so you create that whole experience straight from the start, but also I find it creates rapport. So, you know, they, you know, and I, I really like this idea. It's not being funny. I'm implementing it. But one of the things <laughs> is that you know, it's going in the, the team tomorrow. <laughs> but one of the things is that imagine like they say you turn up and you've already got that. You know, and they walk yeah. in and go, hi, John, got your form. Nice one for filling it in. Do you want to come with me? That's a different experience from going higher, looking at you, looking at your software system going, is it? John, you know, there's, there's a bit of a different appeal for that first impression side of it, you know. So I, I think for me, you know, fundamentally it's about, and I think the other thing comes at the moment in time is about matching expectation, and that's very much why we're talking about is going, you know, there's there's all well and true you having your process, but actually, what does a customer want, you know? And I think you know, I've been encouraging businesses for a long time. I'm actually. I think the first time me and Malcolm spoke, I, I was at Copa and I actually talked about a pre-arrival email. <laughs> Basically, yeah. set the expectation, where to park, what you need to do to arrive. This is the things that you need to bring with you, all those kind of things. So that was what, two, three years ago, I actually presented just on that topic. Yeah. Now it's probably the most global topic in therapy because everyone has to inform their customers before they come in. So yeah. for me... You know, that is, I mean, this this whole thing that's going on, like I've said now, I think people are really recognising, you know, what what people want and what customers want. And I think that's even more important because like, like we're very aware, you know, there is fear, there is there is uncertainty, and that's from the, the therapists and also customers coming in, aren't they? So I think if we can create an environment where when we feel comfortable as therapists to open, and also we can create an environment where, customers feel trust and there's, there's, there's feel safe and all those kind of things. And I think every step that we can do that, that's where the buy-in, if you want to call it, comes into the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, we'll explore that journey more and more. Like I said, I don't want to give too much. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's really key because I think we're now forced into a situation where people are having to think about this, but why? And I think in some ways, we a lot of physios have been doing this for a long time without even being aware of it. You know, I shake a hand when I see someone in clinic. I make, because for me, it's that physical contact. It's yeah. not just about the handshake. It's about the physical contact. It's looking them in the eye. It's knowing their name and it's knowing the name. And then when they sit down, making them feel comfortable. And I always, people used to laugh at me at uni because I used to say that I could understand how a conversation was going to go within the first three minutes of meeting somebody. And people just used to sort of laugh but I thought no you know I, I I'm a massive people person as I'm sure you've probably gathered I'm not the most technical or clinically based physio in the world however I'm successful because I can get that reaction from the patient and I think that's for me you know if I've been after I listened to you talk uh, you know about 10 days ago I thought okay what am I selling and I think for me and this is going to sound a bit random but I think I would sell myself I think myself and my personality and my communication 
is what I would want to promote. And that's what, you know, I've been through a lot of changes in the past 18 months that I've told a lot of people about. And that's almost what it came to. I didn't feel like I was able to get across and do the same thing. So I changed what I'm doing. And now I do feel like I've got that, you know, in a triage and a telephone role, which I'm now doing, I've almost sort of come into my own because I feel like I, I have to focus on that and I have to do it on the phone. So I'm promoting that rapport instantly. And it's so important, so important. And it's just the sort of therapist I am. And I think different people find it differently, which is why I just, like I say, I wanted you to come on and talk about it. Because I just think that we as therapists don't always think about that aspect. We're so focused on the clinical side of it, which is obviously really important. There's some fantastic stuff out there. Um, I think we forget the basics and we forget that human interaction and it's vital and that's i mean realistically what is a, what is a consultation it's a conversation isn't it yeah you know okay we but the only way that conversation can continue so what i do do and i'll, I'll a part of the, the the presentation i'll talk about is i break a consultation down into three phases so there's a consultation which all comes down to like you do really really well from the sounds of it active listening and getting to really understand the person sat in front of you what is going on in their world and if you don't understand what's going on in your world and especially you know we're going to go back to clinical if, the, if you're going to reference the biopsychosocial model if you're just all talking about the hip and not actually john and the world of john then if you're going to focus on that then actually you're going to miss some bigger pictures you're not going to get a buy-in and they won't actually stay with you and you won't reach a good clinical outcome so first and foremost well, then there has to be, so step two then is about education, you know, and I think if you generally um, do it like people, which I would also agree on the people person, that, you know, I find it, you know, I find it almost my level of responsibility to tell them what's going on and kind of yeah. in, inform them that actually what's going on inside their body and physiologically. Yeah. And I would argue in, um, the, in the education, but is the only time you're allowed to get sciencey and technical. Yeah. yeah, because that's the only that after that, outside of that, that, that's it. You can use some science and technical knowledge in that part. And then and then you have to create then you have to tell people. And I think honestly, and this is where the ethical part comes in. And it's something that me and me and Jack were talking about when we first had this discussion was, you know, we all understand what unethical is treatment, don't we? You know, we're all familiar with overtreatment and the people, you know, and we're not going to go into that because we're all familiar with, you know, if you were to say come back three times a day for 20 weeks with a sprained ankle, then you would argue that that's overtreating. And, and I think generally, you know, especially in the you know, therapists I've met, the unethical part is they undertreat, especially in private practice, because yeah. they'll go... <clears throat> They've got a chronic tendon problem. Oh my God, it's going to be 12 weeks. Oh gosh, it's <laughs> going to, I'm going to have to spend loads of time and then we're going to have to progress them. I'm going to, I don't want to tell them it's 12 weeks. Yeah. So we, we kind of go, oh yeah, don't worry. I'll sort it. <laughs> You'll be all right. And we forget to actually have that honest conversation of, but you know, I mean, we've, it's really interesting and I, I, I'll, I love a story, but you know, I'll always forget a guy coming into my clinic and, going oh I've had this Achilles problem I've been to see the physio down the road and um yeah I've been I've been doing it for six weeks and stuff and I turned around and went oh that's brilliant he went yeah but it's not better I went well that's fine because fundamentally if you do it for another six weeks the likelihood it is yeah and he just kind of went all right really and it was just that kind of conversation like you say see it's the change in tone as well isn't it and it's the change in the way and I think we do we do and I've done it myself we do forget this 
Any thoughts, Malk? What are you uh, What are you thinking right now? <laughs> oh, yeah, can I just I... say, sorry, it's 1-0, by the way. Two. A Liverpool. Trent. <laughs> Trent. Nice one. Carry on, Yeah, to be honest, hearing hearing both of you talk about that, and it, it's something that I was definitely familiar from our conversations, Andy, but not so much Gemma. Um, it, it's music to my ears because um, I think the one thing that people are still very fixated on is, and Andy touched upon it earlier, I need to get as much clinical knowledge as I can to be the best clinician that I am and then the moment they start talking to people it's all about look how much clinical knowledge I've got aren't I amazing whereas actually let's be honest all of the information for everything nowadays people can access and people can access for free there's so much stuff that's out there on the internet so if they want to but actually what the challenge is is knowing what to trust who to trust what's the so what of that information and that bringing it together so actually, there's a there's a book, and I wouldn't recommend reading the book because it's far too long. Um, but I'd recommend googling the equation, which is trusted advisor, and effectively it's saying those that are thriving are those that position themselves to become the trusted advisor. And what does that mean? Well, the trusted advisor it gives a lovely equation, which is credibility plus reliability plus intimacy divided by self interest. And if you act like it, and it's it's all the sorts of things which you've talked about already, then actually you provide, you put yourself in that position of trust for them, for, uh, for the patient and the client. And you are really honest with them. And actually, so then when you have that worry of um, potentially underselling yourself, actually you can be in that situation where you'll probably have somebody going, right, well, I've got this 12 weeks of rehab I need to do. Now, actually, I know I could probably go away and do it three times a week with those exercises for 12 weeks and then I'd be fine and I'd never have to see you again. But I know that I'd never do that. So I want to pay to see you once a week for that accountability of yeah. making me do it, which yeah. makes a lot of therapists feel uncomfortable with that because like, well, you, don't, you don't need to. But actually, if you've got that trusted advisor relationship, that honesty is all part of it. And actually, you probably find there's more of that. Um, and then, then there's no there's no worries that are there. And I also think for a lot of people that I think that I think that's a lovely equation that I'm going to have to go and Google that book now because I'm geeking, <laughs> I, I love stuff like that. But one of the things is also I think you're very you're right, and I think if you've got that trust, then also I think with a lot of people in pain as well, there's sometimes an element of fear, and I think fear stops them moving forward. And I think if you if there's a you know if you can be if you can definitely trust if you can build that trust in that relationship, you can build that rapport then they're going to, you know, we can help them overcome those obstacles. And I think sometimes what happens is if we don't deal with that early on and we don't do that consultation, education and plan phase very well, in my opinion, what we don't do is build that rapport long enough and we do see the drop-offs. And yeah. for me, that's the issue that what we then see is we see people walking around, not the, the clinical outcomes not been achieved because we failed to have the conversation at the start. And that's for me, this is where the controversy comes in. That's what's unethical. Because yeah. I think if we're dead honest at the start, people don't like to hear, do they? You know, we don't like to, you know, I didn't like it when I walked into a &E and they told me I'd ruptured my Achilles because the first thing I thought was, oh no. You know, but the reality is that's a situation. And I think if you can, if you're passionate about what you do and you really want to help people, then that conversation and you can support them through that journey, then that's a lot of added value that you can give to them. 
I think it makes them aware as well. I, I often, and even in my, well, I used to do it in clinic, but in my triage now, I just ask them away from the pain. We go through all the normal clinical stuff, but then I say, tell me what you can't do. Tell me right now what you find the most difficult thing to do and either give me a scale or tell me how much that's affecting your life. And it's not until you sort of ask that question and some people realise that they've actually been masking it for ages. Some people are the other end of the scale and obviously everything's an issue, but that's fine because you just bring all of that in. It gives me an instant amount of, of measure to see. So on the next conversation, you can say, right, well, now can you you know, how was your golf session? Oh, actually, yeah, it didn't hurt. And I think it just brings it home to them and, and stops them focusing on their pain so much and actually how much is that is affecting them. And actually, sometimes you sort of say, well, actually, no, it's not affecting me doing anything. And actually, I am okay. And maybe I can just do, you know, some rehab and maybe I don't need, you know, 10 sessions or whatever. And I think for me, in my role, it's just trying to get them to think about it differently. And again, that's a, you know, a sales point of view, isn't it? So, yeah, it's uh, that getting to think about it, think about it differently. Uh, it's something that actually all of us should have some self-reflection on as well, because now is a time when we can think about doing things differently and it's a really good time to do it. It's a good time to, to put the foot on the ball. And if you ask therapists, you know, Andy's question, what is it you do? What is it you sell? I've yet to see somebody that can answer that straight away. I'm sure yeah. there are some out there. Um, but actually, it is that time of just to, you know, communication is just so powerful, particularly now more than ever. So actually, rather than you trying to decide, well, what, I, what is it that I sell? Actually, it's that engagement with the patients and clients, those that you view, not ones that you're friends, but those that you view, that, right, these are the people that I think I've given most value to. These are my perfect customers. I'd like more of these. Because then you start to understand, well, what value is it I provide? So what's my value proposition? Who are those main target customers? Who are the people that I can really help? Right. Let's understand a bit more about who they are. You know, what sort of age are they? What demographic? Where do they hang out? What are their political views? What sort of income bracket are they in? You know, how, you know, then you start to understand how you access those people. And actually, then suddenly you're not selling. All you're doing is just providing value and just talking. So that time of, you know, self-reflection at the moment of, well, how do I do things? And let's just sanity check that. And at that same time, always test and iterate, test and iterate, test and iterate. We know that the evidential world always moves on and it's the same in business as well. So, you know, let's keep ourselves on our toes. Let's keep learning. Let's keep developing that. And actually, suddenly you'll find doing those basic steps, taking that trusted advisor approach, you don't need to sell. It comes naturally, doesn't it? And I think that's a skill. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people find it easier than others. And I think different people's brains work differently. But I think we need to try and get across that it doesn't have to be complicated. And, and more often than not, even if you just sit and reflect for, you know, 20, 30 minutes or so, you'll find that you're already doing it. And I think you just need to maybe make yourself a bit, a bit more aware. And that's what I did, you know, when I decided to change roles quite dramatically and not everybody will do that. I wrote down everything that I loved at my job. I got to a point where I hated physio and I didn't even like say, telling people. And there's various reasons for that, but I wrote down everything I loved about my job, you know, and then I thought, well, actually, you know, I do like the diagnostics and I like talking to people. So what sort of role can I do? And, and, you know it sort of went from there but 
it's it's yeah it's a fascinating and maybe um a nice place to sort of tie up a little bit i think because uh it'll be a nice short uh, short watching video any closing comments andy anything tell us a little bit about your survey because i want people to get engaged with this in the group because i think it'll be really useful i mean it's it, like i say it's just a one the survey is a one question survey that's it and then it fundamentally is all i want people to do is explore that question and the nice thing is it just gives people the opportunity like malcolm said to sit down and actually really explore what is going on in their business and what is the product that they sell and i, I agree i think what we what malcolm was saying i think it, it's very very simple if you if you actually realize it you know and, and and take the time to understand it so yeah that's what so I'll, I'll add the link in um it'll be good to hear what people are saying like i say it's totally anonymous so be yeah, good. and I think it's important. I think it's an exercise and an activity that you can do. You know, you're asking people are asking lots of stuff on the group. Well, actually, this is something you can actively get involved in. It will make you think, what I, what is my purpose? You know, well, what am I uh, trying to sell? Well, fundamentally, and um, you know, and um, I, I seem to agree with everything Malcolm says. So obviously, this is good. Where, but one of the <laughs> things is that no, but but again, listen, it makes sense, doesn't it? And you know, how on earth can you market to a customer if you haven't got a clue what you're selling? Do you, you know yeah. how on earth what is your marketing strategy when you turn around and go what's my product what am i trying to sell you couldn't go to a market team and go right i'm trying to sell actually i haven't got the foggy <laughs> what i'm trying to sell um physio massage trigger pointing <laughs> what what is that you know everyone's business is so individual as well isn't it everyone's processes are so individual so yeah. you know that that what you your product is actually individualized to your business so that's the curiosity thing so i'm um, yeah please do take the time to fill it in i think it will be more benefit very much benefit to yourselves because then you can understand how to market the business an awful lot better as well yeah malcolm any closing thoughts yeah, i think really just now is a time where we can create opportunity out of all of this. There is a raft of opportunity that's there. You know, we've talked about how you can um, touch upon the payment side. We've touched upon the, the patient note side. We've touched upon templates and making things really simple. Nowadays, there shouldn't really be a barrier to anything or anyone to try these things and see what works. Um, I'm certainly always happy to have conversations and, and any of us actually at Sports and New Fix, Mike included. So um, we'll pop up a, a link in there um, for a, a free call. So if anyone wants free half an hour, 60 minute consultation, talk through where you're at. Hopefully this has come across and you've seen that we'll be very honest. We understand the market and actually we can help point you in the right direction. We've had a couple of comments as well in the group so far. My laptop's just given up completely, but saying that the, how easy it is to use. And I think we had one from somebody saying that the forms that you've created within that network, she finds it really easy. And it's it's lovely to sort of just get that feedback instantly. But And you're really helpful in the group. And I know that, you know, Malcolm and Andy and most of the people, the admin team that I work with, you know, if you pose a question and ask it, we will try and answer it, you know, or one of us will see it and we will direct it to somebody because very selflessly, Malcolm's happy to help everyone. And even in giving you guidance to different software because he's done this for a long time and he knows sort of what works. So yeah. he'll give you a very honest view. So just, uh, just gentlemen... Just on Go the on. point, sorry, this is the final point. There are two things that we've heard quite a bit recently where people have felt like they can't um, they can't use software because of certain situations. So I just wanted to flag them. Um, so the main one is they say that they are either self-employed within a wider business or clinic. Right. And so that therefore they can't because of the banking side of things. 
because we'd heard that that we set it up and as far as i'm aware i'd love to please correct me if i'm wrong because i'd be very interested that it's the only software that people can have multiple bank accounts within the same business so you can set right. it up with the various hierarchies that are there so actually if you own the business and you rent out rooms to different professions or different businesses or indeed it's a business where everybody is self-employed and some of those or partially self-employed and they need to have those different bank accounts um then yeah all of that is able to do even the complexity of of dealing with multiple therapists multiple rooms all of that side of things all of it can be made simple so some of those problems that we know people have been crying on about for quite a while those solutions are in place now for less than a tenner a month um, yeah. so please reach out and have a, a conversation other than that then yeah in the group the the help and support for that everybody is doing is is incredible so i guess it's just a, a thank you to everybody in terms of for everybody that is being proactive and commenting on anything uh, i know that that will help five ten people that you'll never know or, or see it uh and so it's just so valuable to do that um yeah really? thanks and i think that for me has been you know one of the really pleasing things we've now got this huge community space of a multidisciplinary network of all different sorts of people on there which is something i was quite keen to push i never wanted it to be just a physio site and we discussed the msk side of things at one point but actually now i'm really pleased that we have this massive healthcare network and there is no stupid question and people keep saying you know i'm sorry I've, i i might have missed this but you know it's totally impossible you know if you've just joined now this has been going on for eight weeks you're not going to know everything please don't worry about repeating questions what we may do is just sort of forward you to sort of topics and things that have been discussed just to help you and like you know malcolm said there's so many, you know if you pose a question with 2500 people in the group i can guarantee someone else is going to ask the same thing so I think that's one of the things and the key features of the group that I'm really proud of is that people do feel they can just go, I don't know what I'm doing. Is anybody doing this? And and please, you know, it's important that we do that so we can gain more expertise from people like these wonderful legends. So I'm going to finish it there. Um, I think Thank it's still one nil, Andy. Um, so fingers crossed. Be right. Come on, you Reds. Um, thank you both again. Good luck thank on you Friday. Much for having us. Thank have you. a look at the yeah, timetable. If you're there at Therapy Live, look at these gents. They're fascinating men to sort of speak to. I found it really interesting. Um, and I know they'll chat in the group if you've got any further questions or if you're watching this afterwards. Hopefully it's been recorded. Uh, we will look on the uh, live stream and we will repost yes. it. And uh, then I confess I started recording it because because it's ended up on mine then I wasn't thinking about it no, so I know. And about 15 I minutes in Mike James messaged me saying you are recording this aren't you so, um, yeah, <laughs> I saw the recording like go on and that and is I entirely my fault and no that's fine it, Mike for pointing um, that out um, one of those things it'll be on the it'll be on the Facebook live anyway so I'm sure we can there's a work around there but yeah, anyway thanks thank you very much thank you for watching uh, if you got any questions always let us know and then hopefully we will do another one soon thank you take care guys <laughs> <laughs>